Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Fullamore. This week I'm joined by Micah Chudley. Micah, welcome back. Therapy session uh, is back for for all QPR-related issues. Um, and there are plenty, isn't there? How are you? Uh, I'm all right. I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'll be... Um... I'll be visiting the, the Matrade Loftus Road Stadium on Saturday. Yes, yeah. I mean, uh, what a situation to be in where y- you get that sort of sponsorship deal uh, basically to sack your own manager. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that, yeah, to be that's, fair, I can't pretend. That's the rumours, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I did send that into the chat the other day, didn't I, to be fair, so I can't pretend that I'm shocked by that, but... It's it's a funny situation, isn't it? Because it's these sort of deals become all too common in football. I mean, we had that Malaysian Airlines, Air Asia kind of thing, where there's obvious links between us, uh, the board and the company that we're getting sponsorship off. And then you go sort of, you know, our CEO, isn't he, Ruben? Is sitting on the board uh, of this. Uh, he's a chairman now. No, chairman. not chairman. A no. um, majority shareholder. I yeah. Is, so. so he sits on the board of this company. Um, yeah. I guess technically there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't feel amazing. Like it yeah, feels I like think one the of rules are, slightly dodgy. You know? Yeah, I think the rules are that like if you're involved in the club, sorry, involved in the business and involved in the football club, I think they can't go over market value, whatever market value is. So like I suppose on that side of things, it, it, it's it's clean, but it doesn't feel clean, does it? No, <laughs> like, no. feels suspiciously close to a certain deals struck by Premier League clubs, where like the company doesn't exist or has like four employees, that's and they have in, that's not happened in the Premier League, Alex. No, and they definitely no. don't have links to countries. No, no, that doesn't happen. Um, is it was it not Preston? Was it Preston a couple of seasons ago that had a betting sponsor that from China that didn't exist and kind of just put porn up on their website or something like that? I actually, I actually didn't know this, but like it sounds ridiculous enough to be true. It was. It, I may be misusing Preston's name there. Unfortunately for them, it might have been someone else, but there was definitely a Championship club. You, you, oh, no, you need to get it right, otherwise Norwich. you're not going to get invited on the um. You need Norwich. to get it right. Yeah, you need to get it right, otherwise you're not going to be invited on the uh the Preston podcast when they have well, a game. Uh, I'm See sure they know. find it just as hilarious as the rest of us. Yeah, I, I'm pretty <laughs> confident now that it was Norwich. Norwich, yep. Yeah, but it might not be. Anyway, um, we have two games to talk about. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the fantastic game of football that was Huddersfield Town versus QPR. I did watch West Brom versus QPR. Did you manage to see any of the Huddersfield game uh, apart from um, highlights? I, I I didn't go to either game because I, I don't go above um, the Midlands ever, which now includes West Brom. I was actually in West Brom actually on Saturday, but I wasn't on Tuesday, so I didn't go to either game. I watched all of the West Brom game on the red button I did not watch the Huddersfield game. I watched back the highlights. So we're sitting in pretty similar situations. So I say fair warning for those listening. If you want any sort of actual sort of, I'm not even going to say analysis, but sort of in-depth talk about what happened in the Huddersfield game, 
we probably won't cover that too much. We're probably going to focus more on West Brom. We we will, I guess, try. Oh yeah, let's try and remember what happened in Huddersfield. We went one nil down very quickly. Yeah, and the second wasn't too far after no. it. I think. And it was uh, some. Pr- if you can believe it, listeners, shambolic defending. You could say. Not from QPR. No, of course not. Surely not. Uh, scored by someone that we that you know. One of the goals was scored, and the other one. Uh, did he set up both goals? Oh no, no, he set up one, scored the other, didn't he? Radoni, someone that I think most QPR fans will have a a familiar sort of relationship with. Someone that was quite close to, you know, in the kind of area, I guess you could say, just down the road. Was it Wimbledon? Yeah, it was Wimbledon, I believe. Uh, many Twitter scouts said to sign him. I be, I'm. I don't want to misquote loft for words, Clive, but I, I. He said something about we had him in the building or something. I. I. I'm not sure if it was Clive, and I'm not sure if he said exactly that. I'm sure I saw someone on Twitter saying that. Like at one point, it was quite close, yeah. which makes it worse. These things happen, though, I guess. But you know, um, there's not much more to say really about the the way we are right now, is there? It's utterly depressing, and you kind of you watch what happened at the weekend. You, you sort of beg it every time you see that Armstrong miss, like for example. You can't, <laughs> be- I can't believe every time I see it, I know that he's going to miss, but I can't believe it each time. Yeah, that's but exactly actually, how I feel watching it back. I mean, technically, it doesn't miss; he's it's blocked, but like it, you just can't believe it doesn't go in the goal. But you, you, know, uh, you, you, you I, like I, I used to play, I used to play striker, like kids football and uni football, right? And obviously, that's levels away from even the championship. Um, but like, as a striker, you spend the whole game like praying for a chance like that. Yeah, like you're you're begging the football gods, like let the ball drop to me two yards out. I will put it in the back of the net. Tap it, smash it, literally flick it with your tongue if you have to. Just put it like in the net. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's young, like he's nineteen. He's probably still working out his best position. I'm not convinced. Maybe he's a striker. I've said for a while. I think maybe he's better off the left. Um, but like that, that is just it's it's unforgivable, man. Just just put just put the ball in the net there, because so, he takes a step backwards, doesn't he? Uh, I know, kind it's of like he's not expecting it, isn't he? Yeah, it, like, Which... in the situation, it's kind of weird to sort of critique that kind of movement, but really shouldn't be sort of stepping back like that. It just seems it's just ah, all wrong. He's... It's like he's not expecting it almost. And like we, we were talking um off air before we started about Paul Furlong. Yeah. Like Paul Furlong was like he was like an instinctive finisher. Like he would just find himself like in the right sort of areas for a tap in or for a two or for a side foot or whatever. Like that like yeah, like we had Paul Furlong when he was like in his late 30s. So we've been doing it for years. And again, Sinclair's like half his age at this point. Not at this point, but at the point we had Furlong. Um but like as a forward player, like you just you just like you cannot leave those opportunities on the table. It's one of those ones where you kind of hope the instinct carries him through, but it just clearly isn't. For the at this level of football, it just doesn't seem to kind of happen sometimes. And it, I don't I, think I, there's anyone that I'd want it to happen to more 
but you just kind of it, it worry about the how early he's been exposed to this level of football. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not overly concerned with his overall de- like sort of development as a player because again, like he's 19 and like he's he's still quite rough around the edges. You know, I'm not I'm I'm not particularly concerned. Like he's playing in the thing that concerns me most about him is that he's playing in a bad team. So and you you don't want to get into the habit of you know like putting it in the nicest way possible, being a loser too young because that will follow you for the rest of your career. That will follow how you sort of perceive things in football, um, what you consider success. That That's more for him. As a player, like, God, this all sounds so, like, fully prejudiced. If you're a follower of the League of Ireland, I apologise for my snobbery completely. But, like... To be fair, have you ever can't... seen any Irish person talk about the League of Ireland on Twitter? No, They're very I critical haven't. of their own league. I haven't, but... Like... But yeah, but like it's it's the Argem podcast, and we've had people complain about all sorts of random things about this pod. So I, I disclaimer, I apologize. I don't watch the League of Ireland, I, and if it's bad, it's bad. If it's great and I'm missing out, then I'm I'm sorry for my ignorance. But like, he's he just come out of like an academy in the League of Ireland. Like he he's still a young man, you know. We're still. It's gonna take time with him. It's gonna take time. Yeah. Um. Another player that we're gonna talk about a lot more, I think in the sort of West Brom section of the podcast, but Jimmy Dunn has a pretty decent oh chance God. to score as well, doesn't he? Um, and this kind of, by and large, looking at the kind of the reaction to the game on Twitter, it's kind of like one of those classic QPR games where we've been really, really rubbish for the first half, whatever, and then we kind of grow into it and try something in the second half. Um, and, uh, you know, he just got a score, hasn't he? Yeah, when when you brought up Jimmy Dunn, I thought you were going to talk about the other thing that he did in the game. Well, we will um, get to that. God, yeah, because I've got some things to say there. Uh, remind me, I don't remember what was the chance. That Jimmy this Dunn is had? a this is another corner. Like if you look at the highlights, all our chances come from corners. Dazelle's delivery was actually pretty decent against Huddersfield, against West Brom less so. Um, but also, you know, thank you for changing the corner taker at last. <laughs> And getting yeah. Giselle to do it. Um, I still want to know the thought process behind the chair's no longer good enough to take corners, but he is still good enough to take free kicks. You know, run that one past me. <laughs> I think the thought that. process is that everybody else must be that much worse than him that he can't <laughs> take the free kicks. If everyone was that bad, including Giselle at corners, why have we changed chair? Like, it, you know, I just think if you're doing, I don't know, never mind. It's not really, it's not, not really that important because it doesn't matter who we put on a free kick. You're not going to score. You're not going to create anything from it. Um, but yeah, I think he's he just finds himself free, and he, he either comes off the crossbar or goes over it. But it's quite close, and it should. I feel like it should be scored. And you, you know, you, you can tell. I mean, as we know from when Tuesday, he's not. He, Jimmy Dunn is prone to a big reaction, but you can tell he's gutted that he's missed it. Yeah, he's quite an emotional player, isn't he? Um, so is so is Armstrong. Maybe it's a um, Irish thing, League of Ireland. Did, did did Dan ever play in the League of Ireland, or was he? It's possible. He was Man United quite early. On, so United, I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think feel like our lack too. of in of. Uh, knowledge of the Huddersfield games coming through a little bit. So let's talk about the game we did yeah, watch, it's... right? Like, <laughs> you know, 
this was um, the, the West Brom game. Really interesting tactical approach for Mainsworth in the fact that he decided that we're just not going to play. <laughs> like, we're not going to do anything. We're going to see what happens. And I, you know what? Fair, fair play, because I think this is completely underrated because I've seen West Brom so many times play against us. And every time I've thought, this lot, so average. Like, oh, yeah, if you just sit off, like if you sit off them, they won't score. No, of course I'm joking. Like we, that is such a poor showing. Like it, he, it must have. The tactics were go out there, stand in your positions where you think you should be standing, and we'll just try yeah. and low block our way out from out of the game from the first minute. Yeah. How on earth has 700 people decided that they're going to go and watch that? And if it. Anyone turns up on Saturday, and I know someone will because I'm going, but like, God almighty, do they not deserve it? Yeah, I mean, I've I seen a tweet from them come out today that apparently it's almost sold out. There's limited tickets available. So only explanation must be that Leicester fans are going to be in the home end because why are people going? Why, why are people actually going? Who's buying these um, tickets? I haven't got a clue. It's, 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 it's Lee Hu's under like fake names trying it's to get like, the... Because we've we've played better than this right and had worse attendances like i'm not saying we played sort of yeah league top in football but we've played you know you can at least say that when we went when you watched monday in holloway there was a chance of us winning a game yeah and the, the and stadium he, wasn't full back was we weren't getting sellouts it was yeah. like it was a big issue but now steve mclaren as well same with yeah. steve mclaren at one point under steve mclaren we looked half decent and we yeah. weren't selling out so like it's baffling, but um, what what were we talking about? The tactics, West the lack Brom, of the lack the of any, any sort of attacking output at all. There was one I, chance, I, I, maybe. I will Not say really one chance. thing. I'll say one thing, and maybe it's because like everybody was so bad, that was easy to. But I I liked some of what Reggie Cannon done. To be fair, yeah. I I I think as a right wing back, he's a lot better rounded than both Kakai and Smith. Um, so you know it was nice to see him, but other than that, you're right. Like it was literally just eleven lifeless footballers on the pitch. Um, it, it, you can tell it's very draining for all, all the players involved because they kind of they they clearly think that they shouldn't be playing this way. Yeah, they think yeah. they're better than this, and yeah. all every footballer thinks they're like good. They, they, like just like every manager thinks they're good. You have to have an ego to be a footballer, um, but. You know, you think I think about Dykes running about up top. He must be doing that, thinking, "What's the point of this?" Because he's ne- yeah. like, he, he hardly ever got any service anyway when we were playing attacking football. And now that we're not playing that, he doesn't get anything. He doesn't even get he like an accurate long ball. He just stands there for the for the game. You know, chair deservedly hasn't is, should be getting criticism because he hasn't been playing well enough. But at the same yeah. time, like, what sort of like apart from just sort of oh yeah, give the ball to chair, he'll do everything. What sort of plan have we got to actually utilise him in any way? <clears throat> uh, I don't think we do, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, I just don't think that we do. I think, um, you know, the 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 shape, or the formation to an extent, I, I gave Gareth credit for because I just felt like we're built to play three at the back. Um. <clears throat> I haven't got a problem with the shape. I I don't even necessarily have a problem with the players that he's picking, to be honest with you, because if I look at the team, 
on um Wednesday. I can't remember the back three, but I think it was um Clark sort of done and Kakai, if I'm remembering correctly. Like that's if unless Steve Cook's fit, it's probably my back three, to be honest mm. with you. I look at the midfield at the moment, you know, debate as to whether you could pick chair based on how he's playing, but I think we can all agree that he's better than this. And Dazelle's obviously had like a better season than really anybody else in the squad. So yeah, I I would have them front of field and Cole back. And yeah, I'd have one of Dykes and Armstrong up front. So it, it leads me to think it is the problem the personnel then. I'm not the thing is I'm though not... is that he hasn't really like it and I, I I understand what you mean about the personnel because you know I kind of you know when I was on BBC Radio London earlier this week. He was on he was on the BBC guys. <laughs> Alex was on the BBC <laughs> Uh, I have to get it in one mention each episode um, I was asked about sort of like where to keep you go from here and you know it, the obvious thing is to sack Gareth Ainsworth and get someone in else in and you know in theory there are better managers out there than Gareth Ainsworth but there's still a core of players in, in this group that are there from that Warburton season that are there from last season there's mm. a problem there of mm. something has, you know, the slight, after a certain point in that Warburton season, you knew kind of like, we were, I was, I really wanted to deny it, but there was an obvious turning point where just what was starting not to work because of whatever yeah. happened. And there was, you know, those players are still here now. There's a problem with those players and you can't ever sack a squad of players. I know that, but this goes beyond managers. Because you've had Warburton, yeah. you've had Bill, you've had Critchley, you've got got Ainsworth now, and they've all left for varying reasons. And if what we all think is going to happen, and Ainsworth leaves at some point in the next couple of weeks, then the players have got to look at themselves because some of them have been there for four managers now, and yeah. they've either not improved or they've been at a height and they've dipped to a point which isn't acceptable. And it's ruined. It's also from their own personal gain. They're not going to get that move that they could have got two seasons ago. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And I mean, it's it's like you said. It's since Warburton, we're bordering on nearly two years, really, since that slide kind of started in at the end of January, twenty twenty two. You got to look at that and say, I always come back. I I, I come back to this all the time, and I think I think maybe John Eustace probably proved why he went on to. I was going to say be a great manager, but we never really got to find out. But like why he proved that he could be a manager because I remember Warburton saying when he come in, the first thing Eustace told him to do is that there's a losing mentality in the squad post Steve McLaren. Don't even bother trying to fix these players. Just let them go somewhere else, re- revive their careers elsewhere. Um. I think I think we'd said in the past, pre-Beal, if you go back and listen to them podcasts, that like now was the time to rebuild, rebuild, you know. Done the story a million times, but Bill come in, it started looking all right, then it started looking a bit eh, but I think maybe, you know, we proved that, you know, sacking Warburton was the right decision and going again. Um, but then obviously, you know. We ran that risk and we lost we lost Mick Bill. But you know, if if you look at what we were saying then, had we started shipping those players out, I'm not saying which one should have been shipped out, but had we started after Warburton left, 
it's free transfer windows now. You're probably looking at now a whole new squad. Not saying necessarily that we'd be up there in the promotion push, but you know, some of the holes, some of the areas of the pitch that have needed surgery for really three, four years, we probably could have plugged. Um, and we we might be in a different position. Who knows? But yeah, that the yeah. So very quickly, as soon as you've mentioned him, and I think we've come to the, we've all come to the conclusion that Ainsworth probably is going to be relieved of his duty at some point. I see the rumours today is that we're it's Gary Rowett that's number one for the job. It should Ainsworth be given this P forty five, which is I think hilarious. Sort of like as you've brought up recently, Gary Rowett was one of Les Ferdinand's preferred picks, and it's like. Lee Hughes has found an old scrap of paper that Les Ferdinand has left behind or his old folder of managers. And he's gone and looked at the first one and it's Rowett. And it's like, (laughs) it's just hilarious. That's what this whole season has felt like, not to go on another tangent, but like even the signings, like I think a lot of us expected us to get a little bit more physical and a little bit more athletic with Ainsworth. And, you know, most of those signings are just like, like Lee, like you said, like Lee, who's found Les's scrapbook and was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, Smith, he was good. Oh, yeah, like uh, here's this kid that was at Fulham's academy and now he's a free agent. Like, oh, it's this guy that you know he he wants to like he's from America, but he wants to go to the next level. He wants to do it here. Okay, you know, it's just just a lot wrong at QPR, sadly. So I'm going to give you the option. Let's. He's obviously not gone. But theoretically, if Ainsworth was to go um, and these two managers were presented to you, as I'm going to present them now, which would you prefer, uh, Mick Beal or Jerry Barton? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I don't know. Is, Is killing myself an option? Hidden option number three. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd have to take Mick Beal, <laughs> sadly. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Have we, have you seen the quote that of uh, Jerry Barton about uh, Steve Evans about? No, but I can imagine he said something. Just like, says some pretty nasty things about his weight. <laughs> And the fact, yeah, like, and you're just, oh yeah, this guy's an absolute idiot, Jerry Barton. Like, <laughs> um, it, you know, we we all love Neil Warnock, but one of the rare sort of one of the few blots on his sort of QPR credibility is his association with Jerry Barton and bringing him into the club, yeah. uh, and making him captain. Um, you know, what an absolutely despicable human being Jerry Barton is, and let's not forget, right? If before we go down the sort of oh he will bring back passion sort of chat that people so oh, were so keen of, yeah, Ainsworth was meant <laughs> to do that. That hasn't really happened. And Jerry Barton act- actively tweeted that he hates us. Right? He yeah. said it more than Stop once. Fooling yourself. Yeah, yeah but um, listen, that's that's what we found out this week. People, if you treat QPR with enough disrespect. People will beg for you to come back. So yeah, there's also other managers out there other than Mick Beal. Like God. it's not just because no, you don't know in the particular moment doesn't mean like there isn't any other option. Then they could could come with, up with a good appointment. I don't trust them, but they could. There's always that possibility. 
Well, right? one thing that one thing that's also bothering me is that like we we know absolutely nothing about all like what the hell is going on at QPR since about March 2022, right? But like, what is to say that like the players would even want Mick Bill back? Like, what's to say that they don't hate him? Yeah, I, I think there's a there'd be like it, it's not like the Birmingham situation, but you look at what they've done there, removing someone who has recruited all these players. They're there to play under John Eustace, and now they've got Wayne Rooney. Now, you know, so there might be a Man United fan there that's really excited to be playing under Wayne Rooney. But apart from that, all those players be like, this isn't the guy I was here to play for. Yep. And he, they've lost two games already. I, I didn't... Birmingham were never really going to challenge this season and they weren't going to challenge last season. But what Eustace did there was such an underrated job. Mm. Don't just sort of appoint people just because you think it, like it might work, you know, might feel might sort of work his magic again. The players, like you said, must despise him because none of the, you know, it, how many of them actually sort of were linked with Rangers when he went yeah. went away? None of them. Quite a lot of them could have probably easily gone there. Yeah. But there was no real solid link. So it was kind of like, oh, Willock might go. Well, it just it never happened, did it? I think that mm. says a lot because a player mm. can force a move, especially when there's in you know, you've got that link on the other end. A player mm. really can force a move like that. Um mm. let's quickly talk about Dunn and the brain fart against West Brom. Uh I think long term listeners of the podcast will know that. I'm not like a massive fan of Jimmy Dunn. Um, I think he's okay. He's certainly no Alan McDonald region. Uh, this was just the most bizarre couple of minutes I've ever <laughs> I've ever seen on a football pitch. I didn't even realize he got the first yellow, and then he got yeah, sent off. Like I was just about to say that I had no clue he was booked. So when I saw him get sent off. It was like, what's going on? Um, you, you. What's the first yellow for? Is it walking onto the pitch when before the referee says to? Which again, like, okay, if there's specific rules in place, right? Then and the referee enforces them. You can't really have much to complain about. I don't think, especially when you're being really stupid. You're being too nice. To, you're being too nice to him. The only way he could have anything to complain about is if it was a terrible. Oh no, no. I mean, I, I, I wasn't. I was. I'm saying, like, from the referee's point of view, like, he's, he's gonna send him off. Like, he's got. Oh, right. oh, in a sorry. sense, he's got to. Like, he can't. The, the only annoying thing about it is that I just know that that rule and that kind of descent sort of thing will not be, you know, uniform across the league. It won't be throughout the season. There'll be at some point an incident with another team. They could bring on a yeah. certain teams in this league could bring on a JCB onto the pitch, dig up the penalty spot, and they'd be told, please don't do that again by the referee. Right? We do the dark arts once and we don't do it. We don't even do it good. Like we can't even be yeah. bad. Like, oh, it's so frustrating. How on earth? And the thing is, how on earth are you going to choose the first time to like ever show any like fight or argument against a referee is like the most blatant penalty I've yeah. ever seen in my life. What was he complaining about? Yeah. I think it, it, 
But he also steps on the penalty spot, doesn't he? That's the other thing. But my thing is, like, you, you've you've broken a rule that you know is a rule you're going to get booked for for entering the pitch before you yeah. should have. At least make it for, like, a, a contentious decision. Not the most stonewall penalty yellow card I've ever seen in the history of the game. Like, I mean, just sums it up, doesn't it? And it, it was actually quite interesting because uh, having listened to Ainsworth's post-match comments, I think it's the first time he's actually dug out a player whilst being keeper oh, really? manager because he said oh, that yeah. he kept on mentioning like uh was it immature or something like it was something like that it was a word like that and, mm. and i thought wow that's i mean it, it isn't really anything but when it's gareth ainsworth who actively backs up his players in public all the time especially after they've been you know embarrassing themselves their clubs and everyone they're associated with quite you know, like every time they walk onto a football pitch, that yeah. felt quite like you know seismic to me in the sense that he's clearly fed up, and he, yeah, I mean that's a man that just wants to leave but won't leave because he's entitled to his payment and fair dues because that's that's what how football goes, isn't it? Like, yeah, but he, and and also he he left Wickham and he really didn't need to leave Wickham. <laughs> he no, he didn't. Like you said the other day, he would have never have been sacked from Wickham. Like, he right. never would have been sacked. Like it's 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 sad, and you know I think maybe I was blinded by the fact that he was one of my favorite players growing up, so I wanted to believe it. But like it's the same, same old story at QPR. You know, we just it goes wrong, and then we we try and bring somebody in from the past to just try and squeeze some of that Hillsborough juice, that Olio four o five juice, and then the juice runs dry, and suddenly we all hate our childhood heroes. Yeah, and everything we grew up loving meant nothing. Yeah, I, it, it actually, like the uh, as we were discussing earlier, this has kind of really hit me today. Like, because I've seen a photo of me with Gareth Ainsworth when I was from 2006 when he was still a player, you know. And the other, I'm a really young lad at the time. You've got I'm a, it, other photos with Gallon and Rollins and Bertram, like proper legends, modern legends here. And you just see the stuff that is getting thrown at Ainsworth. I'm just like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. This is why I didn't want it to happen. And yet here we are. And it's just, it feels so sad now. I just want it. I would quite like the uh, final nail to be put in the coffin for it just to end. Because dragging this out does not help anyone. Yeah, we're like, this is this is even worse than Critchley. Because like, at, le- at least... We didn't really have any connection to Critchley. Yeah. Whereas like, we're we're watching a man put out eleven players on Saturday, knowing that most likely if the we don't pick up three points, it's probably gone. Um, three yeah. points against the best team in the league, by the way, uh, record breaking team. Um, Mike, are you are you scared to go to Loftus Road? Sorry, Matade Loftus Road, or whatever it's called. Matt trades, whatever it's called. I don't know why I'm going, to be honest with you, Alex. I think maybe I need to just have a psych psych evaluation. Um, it's like, I, I think I'm, it, it does feel like I, I'm going to a funeral on Saturday. I might just wear all black on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> My dad did say to me, regardless of what happens, we're staying to the end. I was like, even if it's 10. Oh, I was like, God. And you know what? I, I genuinely believe that could happen. And he's like, no, oh. yeah, we're staying to the end. It's like, okay. 
Well, we'll, I wish we'll you test that patience. That. I really wish you hadn't have said that, Alec. If it's 10, I'm not coming on next week. Well, but you have to. No one else wants to. <laughs> but that's that's my 13th reason. That's my final straw, the, the 10 mil. I don't know. It just feels so sad. Like, you know, you get to a point where Kenny Powell, someone who's actually been probably our best player for a long time now, has reached that point in his QPR career where his footballing brain has turned to mush. It's turned and, he just, off. and he's just scything players down now. This is yeah. like, <laughs> we are not in the good times. We are through the looking glass, people. This is it. This is it. I'm this concerned. Is the I'm concerned that the, the, the nostalgia cow that we've been milking hasn't run dry yet because I, I have a feeling if Ainsworth goes, they might crush the final last semblance of my childhood and just bring back Warnock and like and just just <laughs> parade his carcass through the streets as we get relegated to League One. Oh. Warnock and Mark Bertram, director of football. I yeah, I'm I'd rugby world cups on the Saturday. I'm gonna find a new sport to get into because this one stinks, <laughs> mate. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Well, watch that. It'd be that'd be a cracking game. So, yeah, that's going to be really fun to watch. But um, it we're coming to the end of this podcast. We're 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 low on. This has been completely off the cuff this evening. We're very low on any sort of good energy for QPR. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed these ramblings. And until next time, come on, you are. And you know, if you are going tomorrow, like us, yeah, we, we we'll get through it together. We're, everyone's thinking of each other. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.